Welcome everyone. We are here for part two of our discussion with our music therapy team. Um, and we have Annie Summer and Kristen Van Dyke here with us. If you have not listened to part one, we hope you go back and listen to that where we discuss what music therapy is and um, the kind of case uses for that. Also, we get into adaptive lessons and some of the really cool things our music therapists are doing here at Metro Music Makers. So we wanted to have the second part to our discussion because we get a lot of questions about what the qualifications are for becoming a music therapist. What kind of training does one have to go through in order to become a board certified music therapist? So so that's why we're, we're doing this part of the discussion. Um, and so let's kick it off. Uh, so three of us right now on the call are board certified uh, music therapists. And Kristen and I are both licensed, which is a requirement in the state of Georgia. Um, and so let's, let's just kind of go through and talk about how we got to the point of pursuing music therapy um, and then you know, what it was like to find a degree program and then the internship and then the qualifications beyond that. So, um, Kristen, kick it off for us. Sure. So I actually started out as a music teacher. My bachelor's is in music education. And then I taught um, middle school for a couple years and was really interested in the field of music therapy. So I started researching how to go from a bachelor's in a music-related field um, into music therapy. So in the world of music therapy, there are these equivalency programs where you, if you have a bachelor's degree in a music area, such as music ed or performance, you can get um, your master's in music therapy. It kind of takes a little bit longer um, because you're kind of doubling up on some undergrad courses as well, um, but then you come out with your master's. The thing to know about just music therapy education in general is you're taking courses in psychology, music, medicine, um, obviously not to the extent that med school is, but you're learning about um, different things about, you know, working with music therapy with different populations. Um, so it's a pretty wide array, but while you're also have your education in music theory, music history. Um, so it's really important, I feel like, for people to understand that music therapists are excellent musicians as well. Um, but we also have that extra training in the psychology and medicine um, to come together for music therapy. So I really enjoyed my, my program. Um, so once you, you know, complete all of your coursework and all of the universities that offer music therapy programs are of course accredited and the curriculum has been reviewed by our, you know, certification board. Um, but similar to music education where you take classes and then you student teach for music therapy, you take all of the coursework and then you do a clinical internship. So as a part of the 
music therapy courses, you do practicums, which are smaller clinical assignments. So maybe maybe for a semester going once a week to an assisted living facility or um, a, a psychiatric hospital of some sort. But the clinical internship is more like a full-time thing of working with a specific population under a supervisor. Um, lots of, I believe, all together, I forgot, it's about 1,200 clinical hours. Um, yeah, I think so. The practicums uh, at school are the equivalent of 300, I believe, and then it's 900 for the internship. Yes. So then once you complete your internship um, under the direction of your supervisor, you can graduate, of course, your program, but we also have the final step of taking a national board exam. Um, so that's why any music therapist that you're working with, you want to make sure to look for their credentials. We'll say MTBC after their name, uh, Music Therapist Board Certified. And as you mentioned, Allison, some states, including Georgia, uh, where we are, have the extra step of doing the paperwork for a specific state license in addition to the national board certification, but other states don't. So if you're you know, wanting to live and work in a certain state, you just have to look up your certain state's requirements. Yeah, we want to clarify that Annie is in Tennessee, yes, which uh, does not currently require licensure. So that's that's why you won't necessarily see every music therapist with a license. Um, I cannot remember how many states currently require it, but it's it's growing. It's growing, but it's still sm small, smaller number. I think more states are pushing that legislature, which is really good. I mean, because if you think about it, the, the state license kind of protects the profession um, and really sets apart that distinction. Yeah, I know our community of therapists here in Georgia were really excited once the state passed that. Uh, gosh, I guess it's been about four years now that licensure's now, so, Annie, um, oh, sorry. I was going to no, say, I was Annie, gonna, I was just saying, I want to hear Annie's experience. Yes, because Annie start, got her bachelor's in music therapy. So, started, started from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, so I actually knew my sophomore year of high school that I wanted to look into music therapy. Um, I was actually, long story short, uh, writing a research paper for my English class on cancer. I'm not really sure why that was the topic, but. Um, I was basically trying to fluff my paper and looking up all the different therapy types to touch on those. And I remember I was sitting in the like family room at my parents' house and I found a little tiny, tiny paragraph on music therapy. And my first thought was, there's absolutely no way this is a real job. This is so cool. I have no idea what this is. And I looked it up and found a lot of videos on YouTube explaining it and different web pages. Um, probably looked at musictherapy.org. But um, really just knew in that moment that it was something that I wanted to do. So I actually approached my college search by only applying to schools that had the music therapy program. Um, it is not offered at every school in the country, but it is offered at enough that you do get your choice in whether you want a small school or a big school or what state you want to go to. Um, so I knew that I wanted to leave Tennessee. I've just growing up here, lived here my whole life and wanted a different experience. Um, and so I just basically started touring colleges, approaching it like anybody does with their undergrad, but 
just with that narrow mindset of this school has what I want to study. So it is like a school that is okay for me to apply to. Um, and then just like any uh, music degree, I had to audition to get into the music school, um, which narrowed down my college search even further. Um, and I ended up settling on Arizona State out in Phoenix and never thought I would go there in my entire life, but I'm very thankful I did. Um, yeah, so pretty much where I ended up and then moved back to Tennessee to complete my internship. And I've been here since then. So. And what population were you with in your internship? So I actually did that in an addiction recovery facility. So I worked mainly with the adult men's groups um, and everybody there had mostly co-occurring disorders. So they were in recovery for either alcohol or drug use, but they also were dealing with um, various mental health issues. And Kristen, did you talk about your internship? No, I did my internship um, in a pediatric hospital environment. So I was part of a hospital system that um, I got to go to two hospitals actually, and one I was on the general pediatric floor and the pediatric intensive care unit, and then the other hospital had a general peds floor, and then I also got to work in an adolescent eating disorder clinic. So I really, really valued the, the wide range of experience I got because in a hospital setting, Every day is different. I mean, there, there's always new um, kids coming and going. And so it was really awesome to be able to just go into the rooms and meet the families and offer music therapy as really a, a whatever the child needed in that day. You know, we tried to be there for them. Um, and then I actually ended up getting hired in the Adolescent Eating Disorder Program after my internship and got to work there um, as a music therapist as well. That's cool. I love how we all have such different paths to music therapy because um, I didn't even know what it was when I started school. I started um, as piano performance major and um, I, I did that for a couple of years and I took a year off from college, moved to Florida and started to apply to schools again and uh, ended up at Florida State unbeknownst to me at the time, had the top school for music therapy. And um, I, I went in still uncertain. I, I wasn't sure at the time if I wanted to continue in performance. I knew I didn't want to do education. So um, I, I was undeclared when I entered music therapy, but I entered Florida State, but I was on a music scholarship. So I knew it would music and uh, there were a group of students from the music therapy department in the lobby they had a table in the in the music school lobby and that's how I first discovered music therapy I was reading one of their brochures and I thought well that sounds really cool I like helping people out I love music this could be a win-win situation here so um, the rest is history but I just I loved that program it was Probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life was to to go through that music therapy program. And um, I got a ton of experience through all kinds of different practicums at Florida State. They also happened to require a psychology minor, so I completed that as well. And then my internship was at the San Antonio State Hospital 
um, which I worked with people who were ordered there by court. So my first day, I had to go sit in court. I had to go watch court. They actually had court on campus, which was a really fascinating experience. In fact, I think I did that the first whole week. Um, and so I worked with a lot of different diagnoses, but I, I would say for the most part, schizophrenic and bipolar, also the criminally insane. Um, they had their own separate building there, so that was uh, really interesting. And they also had a building for teens that had been ordered there as well. So um, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world, but I also came out of that internship thinking I probably didn't want to work in a state hospital long term. So I was going to um, say those, those experiences seem pretty heavy. I mean, you know, Annie's too, um, you know, it would almost, it almost feel like it's kind of scary away from the whole thing a little bit. No, well, I, I, mean, I guess say, that's what makes you, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what makes you a music, you know, therapist yeah, candidate and I me wouldn't... not one. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say it was like the individuals and Annie, you can speak to this too. For me, it wasn't that. I think more it was the environment, um, state in institutions, you know, are there's a, a, just a lot of, you know, politics are involved. <laughs> there's a lot that goes on and you know me, I'm kind of a solo type person. So, um, so I just came out, it was a great experience, but also I learned I didn't necessarily want to work in a, a government hospital. State well, I was going to say like, and maybe all, all three can answer, but you know, how does, how do those internships that to me seem pretty heavy? Um, how does that compare to, you know, what you're doing now today, you know? as, you know, working, whether it be in-home or in a group, but with kids and seniors? Yeah, so for me specifically, it's almost an entire 180 switch. Um, because music therapy is so broad, it's, it's almost a double-edged sword situation because every single population and every single facility can be just so, so, so different. So like honestly me as a music therapist I cannot work with every single setting that music therapy is found in um I think that internships really help people kind of find their niche within music therapy like Allison was saying she doesn't want to work in a state-run facility um with me like I really fell in love with the addiction population just working in a recovery facility and um I see a huge difference in like the clients that I have now who are children I mean, between children and adults, that's a difference, but between working with children with the diagnosis diagnoses they have, um, the session is a lot more music focused. We're doing a lot more instrument playing and singing, whereas working with adults in recovery, it was a lot more using music to support different topics that we were discussing for the week. So for example, I would do a session on the topic of trust. So we'd be talking about trusting other people, trusting yourself, and I would bring in songs that I would sing for them. And it maybe wasn't necessarily a song they had ever heard before, even just a song that really supported that topic that we were discussing would give them a copy of the words and let them read along. Usually would invite them to circle a line or highlight something that stood out to them. 
and then just open up the floor for discussion afterward. Um, so I feel like based on the population, it's really just a lot, a lot different. Yeah, I'm really, I, I'm actually really thankful for the internship experience because otherwise, you know, you might come out of school thinking that's what you want to do. And then you get there and you realize, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe this isn't what I want to do. And as we mentioned in part one of our discussion of music therapy, there's so many different populations um, that music therapy can benefit and that music therapists can work with that um, I think the practicums and then the internship are just, they're honestly necessary, you know, and get it. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. So, so is there a population that either of you like want to work with that you haven't yet? That's a good question, Mark. <laughs> um, that I haven't worked with at all. I would well, I would say I really, I really enjoyed um, the children's hospital environment. I did get a chance to do that during my internship, and I feel like I would love to find my way back to that someday. Um, you know, now working professionally as a music therapist, um, but I did get a chance to work with them during my internship. Yeah, I was going to say, I think pediatric for me um, in a hospital setting, I did work with neonates in a hospital setting, but I think to be on the pediatric board, I would, I haven't had the opportunity to do that. I have had chance at some point. Yeah, to jump on the train with you guys, same here. Like, I would love to be in a children's hospital. Um, and I tried very hard to get my internship in one, but, um, I feel like, I mean, as you can see, all three of us said the same thing. It's a really, really popular population. Um, and I think it's also one of those that a lot of people think that they really want to work in because it's a big variety every single day. You're meeting lots of people and it's with kids. Um, yeah, but I would, I would love to do that one day too. Yeah, and I think for me, like, my focus really was adults. Like, I just, I assumed a, the adult population was where I wanted to be. Um, and it wasn't until I started teaching typical kids that I realized how much I enjoy kids. And so that's why I think I, you know, feel like I just never went that direction by choice. You know, my, my experience with children and um, uh, in practicums and internships, well, the practicums, we, we actually, in the practicums, we had to work with specific populations. So I did have a few, but they were in a school, they were in a school setting, not On the opposite side of the spectrum, though, I, you know, I've worked with seniors um, in the assisted living and memory care. I've never worked 
with hospice. And that's actually an area that I, I feel like I would enjoy working with, even though, I mean, I think that brings up one of the things about music therapy that is so difficult. I mean, it can be really emotional to work as a music therapist, as you know, you could hear from all these different populations. There's certainly times that it's going to be a little more emotional than others. But I think because music plays such a role in our lives, that there'd be something really beautiful about working with people at the end of their life and how music can bring just so much peace. So I could I could see myself venturing into that as well at some point. Um, you guys have all talked at length about how much schooling there is um, in order to get to, to the point where you're at, um, certifications, licensing, all those kind of things. Um, is there, is there, um, cause you mentioned Kristen at one point, you know, you, you want to look for a musical, a music therapist that has MT. MTBC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there, is there, are there, uh, I don't know if, how else to say it. Are there fake music therapists out there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's now we've talked. Excellent question. And I know there are groups that are like entertainment based that go in. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but are there, you know, is this something that there's just some, you know, mom and pop musical therapist (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a tricky thing because obviously like i just mentioned you know music therapists don't own the fact that music is therapeutic i mean we we all have our own songs and playlists that we go to for our you know personal if we want to feel a certain way or you know so they're obviously different people have different roles in you know music as a therapy but the music therapy profession works very hard to advocate for how we are trained differently. And it is different than an entertainer coming into a hospital or an assisted living community. And not to take anything away from those people that do that, but it's just different. It's a it's a different, a different service. So when I try to advocate and educate people on, you know, music therapy as a profession, I try to stress, you know, how, how we are different and how the training is different. Um, and actually if someone is calling themselves a music therapist and they are not our national organization, you know, we can actually alert, um, you know, state representative or our national organization actually contacts that person, um, and kind of talks about why they can't call themselves a music therapist if they don't have the credential. I've actually contacted somebody myself about that. Um, I did get in touch with the advocate for my like area. It was the Southeast region. And, um, because I realized in the town I was living in that there was a therapist who is a licensed therapist who on her website basically was just publicizing that she is a music therapist. She like uses music therapy. Um, and basically the process was just emailing her and it was pretty much just a letter that was pre-written for me. Um, Like you were just saying, Kristen, that just explains the difference. And um, I also attached a pamphlet that really like broke down music therapy and just like all of the training we go through, everything we've been talking about. Um, And I actually never got a response for her from her. Um, So I think that a lot of the advocacy work is, it's not easy. Um, It's a constant, constant process. And I mean, in situations like that, she probably saw it and was like, it doesn't matter because I know that I'm doing music therapy. And in that case, like she is 
being beneficial, but it's the simple switch of saying that she's using music as therapy, not music therapy. Um, but yeah, so there, there really is a very extensive process for reporting that. And I do feel like music therapists are almost hyper aware of looking for it sometimes too, um, probably to a fault sometimes, but it's also important that everybody does know how to advocate for our field. I think we're protective <laughs> for sure because we want to make sure that people understand what music therapy is and what it's not. <laughs> so can we just all talk about the typical response we get when we tell someone who doesn't know really what music therapy is? And I get this all the time still to this day, 25 years later, when I say, you know, my degrees in music therapy, oh, that's so wonderful. You play music for people. I know how healing the music can be. And um, I think that's just a, a common, um, I guess we could call it a myth, really. But, you know, people just don't realize all the steps we've had to take to. I mean, it's what it's what I thought it was before I joined this company to be totally honest and i even graduated from florida state you know which is such a big yeah, music therapy we're gonna, i'm gonna school. have to talk to you later uh, about no. that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's and then on top of that mark to to continue to be a music therapist we have to keep our board certification so it's on a five-year cycle we have to take a hundred hours of continued education within that five-year cycle and then apply with those hours. So they have an on the, the uh, certification board of music therapists have an online system where we can track our hours. What kind see. of continuing education? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, for, because if, if some people are yeah. listening and might want to, you know, some of our younger students and listeners might want to get into music therapy, like what kind of continuing education? Kristen, you want to jump in? Sure. I mean, there's so many different um, categories and courses that you can do. Well, you can take uh, courses essentially um, put on by professionals. Now, if a professional is going to create a, a course or a workshop that can be counted as our continuing ed, it has to go through an approval process um, from our the certification board. So you can take workshops, courses that have been approved. Um, there's also other options, a lot of other options, though. You know, you could even do some research study, you know, read some peer-reviewed journal articles and write about them. If you're writing your own music, um, you know, doing some songwriting for your sessions, there's a process where you can count that as continuing education. Um, if you take master's courses, um, if you, you know, go get your uh, graduate degree, you can count that. Um, there, so there's a lot of different options. I think, I think sometimes music that we get a little overwhelmed sometimes, it's like, oh my gosh, we have to complete all these courses, um, over five years, but the certification board has given kind of some flexibility in what can be counted. Um, oh, another one, for example, we created that inclusive music education course. Um, since I helped to develop that, then, you know, the first time I gave that presentation that, that counted, I just had to provide evidence of the presentation I created, you know, the, um, the hours of the workshop and everything. So you just kind of have to keep track of everything that you're doing and check out the website for the very specific categories. 
This is why I take lessons every five years. I was just going to ask if lessons yeah, are part of so it. Yeah, I always take some lessons. Um, and then I do like giving presentations about music therapy because those can be helpful as well. So, so they've kind of, you know, the hours, some of them are things I think music therapists that are invested in their careers would probably be doing a lot of anyway. So it kind of just keeps us on track. Um, going to conferences, um, participating in uh, the, you know, conference, they'll give us tracks uh, that, that you can follow at a conference. So you can sort of build a course at, at a music therapy conference where you're going to all these sessions that... Is there a big, is there a big national music therapy there conference? There is, yeah. Where is, where is that? It, it changes. changes. Mm -hmm. And then there's also regional conferences too. The very last conference I went to was the um, Southern Region Southeast Regional Conference, literally the week before the world shut down. I was at Great Wolf Lodge, awesome place to be. I didn't really know what was going on, and they were having us. We all had to sanitize our hands walking in, and um, and they were asking us to take precautions. Uh, this was before masks were a thing, but I was just like, huh, I've never seen this at a conference before. I'm glad they're being so sanitary. Like I was clueless. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm like, okay, what, what, how are we taking I feel like I remember, online? I think I remember that because <laughs> I think I was like, like writing you like Allison, things are happening. We've got to. Yeah. yeah. And I was probably like, I'm at You're a like, conference. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. We'll figure week. it out later. <laughs> little did we know then what we know now but um yeah i'm wondering so as far okay so let's talk about this so we all went to school awesome degree <laughs> and then we go to our internship have you know learn a lot whether we decide we want to pursue that specific path as a career, maybe change and tweak a little bit as a music therapist, but then we're done with the internship. And then what? If you don't go for your master's, then what? Like how, how do music therapists get the job? I think connections are incredibly important within the field and I honestly think that just comes from talking to people in your program. You honestly never know who's going to end up being your boss. For example, one of my best friends from the music therapy program, um, another one of our friends graduated literally just a semester before us. And the first company she got hired at, that girl was her boss. So it's just funny. You really never know. And um, the field is pretty small. So just like we were just saying with the conferences, going to conferences and just simply talking to other professionals and it's small enough that somebody is probably going to know somebody who knows you um, somewhere down the line. So um, I had a very weird experience with my job search after internship because I finished my internship in July of 2020. So it was right in the middle of COVID and music therapy was not really a service that was being offered or people were really being hired on. So I got incredibly lucky to find Metro Music Makers actually. 
Um, and I actually found you guys through one of my old coworkers who I think had talked about teaching lessons and happened to mention to you, Allison, that I was a music therapist. She knew me from Jamboree Play and Music where I had been working before the pandemic and um, oh my gosh. I Can gave you just, a call. <laughs> we got to go down this trail. So that friend was friends with one of our Tennessee teachers. And so he was the one who was like, you should really talk to this friend of mine who's getting a music therapy degree. So I talked to her and then she's the one that talked to Annie. So it's cool how that all worked out. But yeah, really interesting timing for you, for sure. And we're so glad that you, you know, found us. We found you and got connected and all the great work you're doing with our clients is, is really great. And another benefit of this is that you just recently moved, which would have been more difficult uh, if you were doing in-person services. So maybe the timing was perfect. I think it was comment. personally. <laughs> Very cool. So Mark, I'm just I'm really interested to know if you have any other questions as far as, you know, what it takes to become a music therapist or, you know, what what the work looks like for us. You know, um, one question might be, how do we prepare for a session, you know, as opposed to a music lesson? How does that? Yeah, I'm sure it's very, different? I mean, it's very different, right? When you're, when the focus isn't necessarily on learning the instrument. Right. And I think that also speaks to, you know, people thinking we do play music for people. We might occasionally, if that's in our plan, but it's not, we're not going into it thinking, well, I'm just going to pick out all this music to play. It's a very specific need that a person has that we would choose to do that kind of activity. So um, I think the planning is, is so, you know, having taught lessons and having, run music therapy sessions, they're just two completely different types of approaches. And if, and if you're, you know, you, you have to focus on that if you're doing kind of like our model, but then, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's also music therapists that do just work in a hospital or there's music therapists that do just work in facilities and they're, um, do those, do those types of jobs have uh, the freedom that, you know, the music therapists on our staff have to kind of, you know, build their uh, program around each student or when you work in a hospital or like a, like a facility of some sort, do you, do you have more of a, I don't want to say a curriculum, but more of guidelines on how to uh, run your sessions? I think it depends on, you know, the size of the program. Um, if you, a lot of music therapists are the only music therapist on staff or in the facility. And if that's the case, then they probably do have the freedom to build um, build their own program. Now, if you work for a, a larger facility such as a hospital, you might have to follow their protocol in terms of providing notes um, or certain protocols for attending 
specific meetings or speaking with other professionals. But um, but I would say a lot of music therapists do have the freedom to really develop their own program. And then what ultimately I feel like what you hear about what ends up happening is so it might start with one music therapist somewhere and then if the caseload gets too big or if they've really been able to advocate for themselves to hire another music therapist and then, you know, it can kind of grow from there. I know that that's happened at some hospitals um, or, or some facilities like that. I would say in general, though, I think music therapists are, um, you know, talking about the freedom around their programs. I think that's the nature of our work. Kind of the job, right? To adapt and... Well, yeah, it requires so much flexibility, even within the session. I can't tell you the number of times I went into a session and had to completely change what my plan was based on meeting the client where they were that day. So you have to, is that a big part of, do you learn that through the schooling or more through the interning? Through the practical, I mean, through the actual hands-on experience. Yeah. Okay. Because I think the biggest thing, like what you just said, Allison, is that music therapists are trained. Like we want to meet each person where they are at emotionally, physically, you know, and, and kind of grow from there. So if you have a plan, there's definitely been times where, especially working with kids, sometimes I might have an idea of, okay, we're going to practice our, we're going to go over our speech goal by doing this song. We're going to do our motor goal by using this instrument. And if that child that day is just having a really tough, tough, tough day, it's, time to pivot and and do something different that's going to kind of meet their energy and emotion level and then maybe bring them try to bring them out of it and into something else but it's being flexible is so so important as a music therapist (laughs) yeah and it can change in any given point within a session too so you just have to be I think our training has given us the tools to be extremely observant. That's one thing we haven't really talked about yet, but, um, you know, as part of our um, intake, we do um, a consultation with the parent, but then we also do a first session where the music therapist is observing and taking notes um, about strengths and then areas for improvement. But I think, you know, we're trained to constantly be observing the client, or if it's a group of clients, all of them, you know, and how the session's going at any point in time, what's working, what's not working, so that we can tweak things instantaneously. Um, Which I think, though, Mark, I mean, I think a really great music educator does the same thing. You just don't, call it that you know i mean it's different but you you do that in a different oh, yeah. kind of environment sure. so yeah i should know if there was like real specific training on how to do that um you know it, it's talked improvising a, basically <laughs> it's talked a lot about and yeah. then when you go and do practicums um we had to tape all of our practicums that was back in the day of the vcr um so we had to go we had to tape all of our practicum. Sometimes a professor would be on site watching you and taking notes. So you got very specific feedback about, 
okay, did you see this kid like not engaging or, you know, what was happening, you know, so you get very, very good feedback um, about what's happening in the session and what your response as a music therapist was <laughs> at the moment. So it's a, it's a sink or swim situation <laughs> in the beginning. You well, learn it's, it's, really fast. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't go to school to teach like I didn't learn how to teach lessons in school, right? I was actually teaching lessons while I was in school. <laughs> I was doing them at the same time. So I never had a class where we, we learned how to do that, which is kind of why uh, the training that Kristen has brought to us has helped uh, in a lot of ways, um, even just from as a music teacher as a whole, just to have some some extra guidelines, some extra ideas, and some extra ways to adapt uh, in a lesson. Yeah, and this is getting a little off topic, and I won't I won't stick here. But when we when we hire new instructors, we work we we hire and work with a lot of instructors that are just coming out of college and don't have experience uh, or a lot of experience yet teaching, and that's why we have a mentorship program and we do a lot of training with them. But you can in you know, I think we've developed a really good interview process and we've been doing this for a long time now. So I think we get a really good sense of how folks work with people um, and a good sense of, you know, if they can adapt and be flexible, which is one of our core values. And I think that's, you know, why we have those core values. We hire based on those. Um so it's really interesting because I, you know, I always track all these things back to my music therapy experience. It's like all the things I learned in music therapy school, that should be a book. That should be like a business book somewhere because you just learn so much about people and about planning and then about being able to change on a dime at any given moment. So, um, so thank you, Florida State. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> Very cool. Great conversation, you guys. It's always fun to talk about music therapy. Definitely. And I hope it encourages, you know, anyone listening that's interested in the field to really just don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, I, I speak for myself. I've over the years have just loved having conversations with um, high school students that are interested in music therapy. Um, or, you know, individuals that just might have more questions. So even if you don't know us, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and we would be happy to answer any questions about music therapy and what, what the process is to become a music therapist. Yeah, send us some questions and we'll do a part three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, if you are interested in training with our music therapist, they have developed a course, Inclusive Music Education, which is going to be available on our website, again, at metromusicmakers.com. So head on over. Love to hear from you. Thanks so much, Annie and Kristen. We will definitely have you both on again. I know we've got a lot more to talk about. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Till next time.